Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. So it's gonna be a be a deep episode today. A lot yeah. to talk about. First, me and Chris are smoking some samples from. Well, I don't want to say who it's from yet, but a renowned Dominican manufacturer for a project that we're putting together um, for JR. Don't know when it's going to come out yet. Hopefully fall, maybe mid-fall, mid sometime around then, maybe longer. Very interesting um, concept, but it's going to be on the higher end. Really cool concept, but we, we, you know, we wanted to work with a, a legendary Dominican manufacturer someone who's seen kind of a resurgence recently. And so uh, you're smoking sample two. I'm smoking sample one. Yes. And this is excellent. <laughs> this is really, really good. I think this, I think we chose right with the size. Right now, the draw, the flavor, the ash is just perfect. Um, I'm excited. If this is if this is even, because he, he even said like, hey, you know, what we send you in terms of like aging, like the final product is going to be obviously better because we're going to let it sit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we had this conversation with him two weeks ago when I got 10 samples of each size in like less than two weeks. So if this is going to, if this is even half as good as the final product, then it's very impressive. Can you talk about like the specs of it or not really? No, okay. All right, right. Keep, it the, keep it on the low because the specs is like part of the content. The alert. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, but I'm, I'm really enjoying good. the size. Um, and the, the drawer is amazing. Um, we've we've had a handful of samplers in the past month um, for different things, and upon initial, like I maybe taken ten puffs, <laughs> but it's been pretty good so far. Um, so big news we 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 heard about it obviously last week, but we didn't want to. We we found I think we found out the news after we recorded our yeah. podcast. A few people. Yeah commented on our videos why are you guys not talking about this yet like all this yeah um this is literally so i just want to preface it yeah, yeah this is the first chance, chance we've had to be able to sit down together did and you get a haircut too i did nice yeah nice. i noticed you. these things you said it this morning you're the only one thank you no him and you said it who said it first he did but who's but that's because he saw you first because he's on that side of the cubicle <laughs> okay whatever he's like nice haircut first thing he said to me not he, he said good morning nice haircut he looked like the cover of like a Carpenter's album this morning with the jean jacket and the jeans. I called it Canadian Tux, and Canadian I told him I wish I could rock a, a denim jacket. I used to have one, but I did it. I did it. I didn't do it in like the like a Canadian Carpenter style like he did. I did it in more like badass. I was in the nineties. I was like a kid, like you know how like nineties like jean jackets. Well, everyone had a nineties jacket. Yeah, nineties yeah, jean jacket. You were but badass. like rocking it now. I want to. I want to see if I could do it. But I, I. I. I can't pull off the jean. The jean pants and jean jacket. You also have to match, and that's tough. Yes, it's a tough. That's a tough thing of, to find a, a denim jacket that matches exactly with your with your jean pants. I, I imagine. I imagine Justin. Um, so yeah, so this is the first time we've actually had to talk about it. And also after speaking with some of the people involved, I wanted to wait until the deal was finalized, um, before we really spoke at length about it. Um, so STG, Scandinavian Tobacco Group, uh, owners of Cigar International, owners of Thompson, owners of General Cigars, um, owners of Room 101, uh, have purchased Alec Bradley. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, we got to take the personal part first. Personally, I'm very close with the Rubin brothers. Alec, me and him, Alec talk once a month. Um, and, and Bradley is a, or, you know, they're, they're remarkable. The whole family. I've interviewed them all several times. I, their projects are great. So on a personal level, I am very happy for them. I mean, Alan, you know, busted his ass in the nineties coming up during the boom. You know, there was a, you know, there was a struggle there. And also don't forget, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, uh, do like a inverse racism, but for just, you know, a white Jewish guy from Florida to like become, become big in the cigar industry at that time was tough. It was mostly yeah. just these kind of legacy brands. Um, and Rocky Patel was also kind of coming around at that time. Uh, but he had like big Hollywood money. He was a Hollywood agent. Uh, I think he was, might've been Schwarzenegger's agent for a while, or he was a Hollywood lawyer or something like that. But Alan just started off with a dream. I think he sold his the company that his family owned. Started um, Alec Bradley named it after the, his sons. I believe it was called something else at first, and then he called it Alec Bradley after the uh, after the boys built it up. Uh, was doing really good business. 2012 comes around. Prince Hado gets number one, and they kind of put them into this other category. And now you know black market 
Tempest, Filthy Hooligan, plus all the Alec and Bradley stuff kind of hitting the boutique side, the Magic Toast, uh, Project 40, so many great, phenomenal cigars. Um, and it was, you know, it's a lot of work. Uh, Alan's been doing this a long time. He's dedicated. He's a hard worker. The boys are hard workers. Um, and we all saw the number. Yeah. You know, now, what does that number include? These are a few things that half we all broke down a little bit. I'm also going to need you to do some talking today because I really want to smoke this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was no, just, I wasn't I'm like just, a dig. It's just like I'm actually. Like, oh, I'm just waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting to. Mm. It was. Uh, I don't want to say it again, even though it's public knowledge. But it was a big number. Um, I'm curious as to what they got. And when I when I say that, they didn't get the building like where their office is. Um, you didn't get to. You didn't get to check. That I didn't. No, I haven't. That was. I guess that was, I was with Greg. So they didn't get the office, but I don't know if they even own that. I guess they own that building because then they have the little shipping warehouse out back um they don't own their the alec probably doesn't own their factory in honduras uh races cubanas i think they had like a just a partnership with them so they obviously don't get that so they don't really so that money doesn't isn't really for anything like physical except for like their current inventory i guess um but it wasn't like oh we get this building and these machines that kind of stuff so it's really just for like the they just acquired the brand as a whole. So they get the rights to all yeah. of the products, all of the Alec Bradley and the Alec and Bradley products, as uh, I saw in the Half Wheel article uh, yesterday or today. Alec and Bradley is part of that. Dang. So, so, so now I have a question, really mm -hmm. quickly. Does make it a long one? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't even know what I'm going to ask essentially, but like the Kintsugi is Alec and Bradley. Yeah. Like that's their cigar, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So, but it fell under the Alec Bradley portfolio. So, like, how did how do Alec and Bradley get like any money from I'm the sure sales of the Kintsugi? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they got. They, yeah. You sure they got? Okay. Yeah. Listen, Alan. I don't. And I don't know the specifics. And that's uh, even if I did from private conversations with Alec, I wouldn't reveal right, any of that. Share. Yeah. But I know the family decently. I like the yeah. boys, especially. I've met Alan a few times. He's not going to like just take that money and be like, all right, guys, like you're shit out of luck. I'm sure that they hey, give him a got nice something. little, yeah. And then also they're, you know, Alan is serving as like an advisor okay. for the brand. Listen, you can't, especially when it's a name brand like that. We've seen what happens uh, specifically with STG and with general. When you take on, it's one thing to take on a legacy brand or you know, uh, Room 101, even though obviously Matt Booth is the face of Room 101, or the Gloria Cubana, which was a legacy brand. It's one thing to do, to do that and then kind of change out leadership if you wanted to. We wouldn't even name brand. Actually, I think Room 101 would kind of fall into that because it's so tied to Matt's identity. But like when they bought Taranio, Taranio was a very good brand. I don't think we sold them until General bought them, but Taranio, Carlos Taranio and the Taranio family... They bought it. They brought over some of the family as like to work on the brand, and everything like that. And then those guys all left. And I don't. I think. I think the brand is gone. I don't even know if it exists. And if it does, it's very. They they just purged that brand. It's, yeah, it's destroyed. And a lot of that obviously has to do with you know there could be some quality mishaps when you all of a sudden are on this like this this much larger scale and whatever. But it also has to do with when you have a a family brand like that, especially when it's like your namesake brand, the consumers. Obviously, you need to make good cigars, but the consumers make a connection to you. Yeah, they don't make a connection to just the brand, STG which is or, yeah, which is yeah. where boutiques really stand alone. Mm -hmm. um, but the bigger companies have been trying to do through their brand ambassadors. So, like Travis for Altidus, yeah. General. They have Sean. They had Laurel and Ricky, the who are now gone. But tr that's the important part about sustainability is making that connection. So, if they were to take Alec Bradley, Alec and Bradley, the whole portfolio. They're like, all right, here's your money. Like, we don't need you guys anymore. We're going to take it from here. And even if they kept the cigars kind of the same, they would lose a lot of the essence of the brand because now I'm buying Alec Bradley cigars from just some sales rep, you know, and you guys are doing, oh, we're going to add this new special thing. But it's like, I'm like no, this is not what the what they would have done. Yeah. How much time do you think went into to the process of what Alan Rubin like was going through. Do you think it was a, it was an easy decision? Do you think it took a while? You know, if you're in his position or if you can just give like a, so I, I was talking to John Hoover a little bit about this. 
Um, and this is this ties back to what we're we've talked about um, on um, picks about yeah. money versus legacy. I think when you're somebody as established as Alec Bradley, I think you already built the legacy. Go get your money. Okay. Yeah. Like a Tom Brady esque thing, mm. as opposed to a Tyreek Hill, a Tom Brady. Whereas, yeah, if he retired after that year last year with the Patriots. He's still first ballot Hall of Famer, considered the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Although there was like those doubts about like, oh, was it Belichick's offense? So he was able to put those doubts to rest when he went to Tampa. But he still retires as the greatest of all time, the GOAT, the main man. I mean, he only added, when I say only added, he only added one Super Bowl since he left there. But it's like, you've already built your legacy and that it's it's set in stone. So you can go go get paid now elsewhere. Which is kind of how I think the Packers should treat Aaron Rodgers. It's like you've already you've, your legacy is fine here. Like we'll always love you. Just like go make your money somewhere else. Like, yeah, you know, you just want to <laughs> yeah, I agree um, too. So there's a, there's an element of that to it. Because um, when I asked John, I'm like, dude, you know everything you've built and put into this brand, and John was just like, listen, money's right. You ever, you know, and sometimes it's sometimes it's a good thing um, for a brand like Room 101. I think it was a really smart move because. Matt, when he came back in this industry after his non-compete or whatever from Davidoff or Camacho, uh, as he was leaving the industry during that, he had kind of lost a little bit of a passion for it, just having to deal with that kind of corporate structure. And he found renewed vigor when he came back. And he he said in interviews with us that he was, you know, paying a lot more attention to the product, learning yeah. a lot more about the, the process and everything. But it was just kind of hard for him to find the right manufacturing fit for like really, you know, his vision of what he wanted to do. Uh, one of the, I think the best cigars he came out with during his resurgence was the big payback Maduro, which was made, uh, at general's factory. So I think for someone like him, it's like, I'm staying on board. They now have the resources and the reach to let me achieve my ultimate goal. I think that's a beautiful move. And Matt's staying on board and, and helping them creatively with other brands. He did Sancho Panza for And Matt kind of coming back in the industry, what, like 29th? Like PCA, 18, it, PCA was his like. Uh, I want to say that was his I, his his, like his like, coming out like coming tour. back party yeah. tour, and that was f- four years ago. Um, I saw Matt Bruce post about Alan. Yeah, Rubin. that was funny. I loved it. That was funny. I um for those who haven't seen it, um, it's a few pictures of him and Alan, uh, Matt Booth and Alan uh, Rubin, just like oh look at us, a couple sellouts. Were people calling Alan Rubin a sellout? I didn't see in the. Community. I the imagine. Forums. I imagine he got private phone calls. I imagine all they all did. I, I would imagine. Um, listen, when Jonathan, Drew, you know, people have to, and this is where, this is where we're going to get into. This is where you have to separate the personal from the business. That's so, so tough. Per, personally, yeah. uh, personally, I have more mixed feelings than the business side of it. How this affects the industry is where I'm more on like the I don't know side. Personally, I'm extremely happy for them. This is what they wanted. They they got their money. I don't know if they're going to have non-competes or whatever, um, if they want to go do their own thing. But as of now, according to the press release and everything, like the, the Rubin family is staying on board. I, like I said, I can't imagine unless they have some. I mean, dude, if I was if I was STG and I was smart, I'd be like, you guys just run your own shop here. Do whatever you want. Use all of our resources at your disposal. And we just kind of like get a piece of it. You know, like we, we get a bigger piece because like we own you, but like you guys can, you know, also get a salary or whatever it is. Yeah. And like, you just kind of run your own shop and keep doing what you're doing. So how do you see it? Um, do you see it negatively affecting the industry or not negatively, uh, but I hate to I, compare it like, but like the, the Sean hope, Watson it, contract. Hope, yeah, I hope know. if the boys are watching this, like like taking my personal happiness for them out of it. And if I don't know them at all, I'm looking at this as just an industry insider. It's a worrying move. Not, not for the brand. I think that they structured a deal and are smart enough to know, like, we're not going to let these guys tarnish our name in five years. Um, so even if they end up leaving to go do something else, it's probably going to be pretty well established. And also... That, that brand is a gold nine. Don't touch it. Keep getting the same blends and doing the same thing. And like, it'll be, it'll just run on autopilot. Don't, don't fool around with it. Um, do you think SCG will do that or no? Or I do don't know. know. I don't know. Camacho. I mean, Camacho is still a big brand. Um, it's actually bigger now than it was when the Arroyas owned it. But 
it's very different from them when Leodo has owned it. Camacho Triple Maduro now is kind of like, it's a very good cigar, but it's just like a cigar that's in your rotation. It's like an eight, nine dollar, like good cigar in your rotation. The Triple Maduro used to be like a very high end, like eleven, twelve dollar, like silver band, and it was like an event. It was like a one of those cigars, like similar to like an Opus, like it was an event. To, oh, I got a Triple Maduro Camacho. Yeah. So the brand just changed drastically. Same, a similar thing happened with you know um, Taranio. Similar thing happened with. La Gloria Cubana, you know, Ernesto sold it to them. He worked for them for a couple of years and then struck out on his own to do his own thing. And I'm not going to, La Gloria is still a very good cigar. The Medio Tiempo made our top 25 last year, but the brand is very different. And it's pr- like people who were smoking that when Ernesto was running it, probably don't smoke it anymore. It's found a new demographic, which is great, um, but they're probably not smoking it anymore. Um, so for Alec Bradley, I think this is a fine move. I think that it's the, Brand will be stayed intact. Uh, I think they'll do, they'll do a fine job with it. I think they have smarter people now than they did in years past. I think that's why Matt went over there. Because um, I spoke to Matt at length after uh, the announcement that he, that he sold. I talked to him for like two hours on the phone. Um, and he was just explaining like their new processes over there. So I think that the brand is going to be fine. What worries me is for the industry is that you know, obviously everybody has their number and theoretically you can just match people's number and just eliminate them as competition until you kind of get monopolies going. Um, it would be an expensive endeavor, but let's say that, so this cost them 70 million to buy Alec Bradley. Let's say they just pay that off and like, all right, we're just going to squash this brand in three. Let's just say they did. They're not going to do that. Let's just say they did. They did that. It's like, all right, we're just going to kill it. You know, now now that we own it, we're just gonna off the market. Um, Why would they do that though? If they think that Alec Bradley brands are directly 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 competing with any of their brands, and they think that in the next three to five years they can make up that sales price plus more in newly acquired customers that are switching over from Alec Bradley brands that are now done and going and buying Macanudos or Punches or Hoyos, then why not? It's like a long-term investment. It might cost us $70 million now, but at the end of this, we're going to get $100 million new you know, gross over the next five years because we eliminated um, a brand that was like competing directly with us. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that, that, that like, again, that's not what I think they're going to do, but theoretically they could. Theoretically anybody could do that. You could just buy a brand and you just squash it. Um, that was like kind of old timey monopolies, you know, like yeah. U.S. Steel and Standard Oil. They would just, oh, I'm going to buy your company. All right, now it's just Standard Oil. It's just, that's yeah. what it is. And we don't, we obviously don't know specifics that are in the contract mm-hmm. or whatever. The transitioning from acquiring one company to the next, but yeah. you would hope that no, I don't think STG do would kind of keep Alec Bradley, you know, as a whole. I'm talking from what their mission is to provide good cigars for, you know, their consumers to the brand, you know, like I love the themes of it. Um, like the magic toast. Um, what I love the black market, um, filthy, the wagyu, the filthy hooligan, the Kintsugi, like there's just all these awesome themes to it. I should call Alec today and be like, hey, so like, what's the chance of us getting some Wagyu's before this whole thing? <laughs> yeah. So you just kind of hope in general as a fan that it's literally just like, all right, different, kind of like moving from mom's kinda house like to us, dad's when house. when we got sold two years ago. I don't think yeah. our customers really noticed a difference at all. I mean, they're really, no. we haven't really even noticed a difference. I have, Actually, yeah. I think it's a little better now for us than we were under Imperial. Um uh, we can't say who our secret buyer is, though. No. Yeah, we still don't know. I don't so, know. I still have no idea. Charlie, no Charlie Minato is the only reason I kind of have an idea who it is. Um, like, pass on to the consumer, except for maybe some in the beginning, um, just like, you know, managerial yeah. changes. Like, hey, we might be delayed on this thing. We're moving everything to a new warehouse, whatever that might be. But I just, I don't, I don't like the idea. I mean, I think there's a, a great balance now between your four major companies, your STGs, your Altidus, your Davidoff, your Drew Estate, 
then your next tier where I would put Oliva, Fuente, Padron, um, and then the tier below that, uh, and Rocky Patel in that tier, and then the tier below that, in terms, just in terms of sales, by the way, not in terms of quality, just in terms of sales, would be like Perdomo would be next, along with Alec Bradley. Um, and then it kind of goes down the list as you get more and more boutique, more and more specialized. That's a big chunk out of like the middle of that kind of pyramid. Um, and I, I'm just worried about where this leads the industry because if it's successful, you know, now general has how many of the biggest brands are all owned by one umbrella. Plus they're yeah. expanding their stores, which also we did with the Costa Monte Cristo stores and you know, the creative center of the industry, which is boutique cigars and mom and pop shops. Now I realize how hypocritical this might be coming from me, coming from us who work for a giant online uh, e-commerce site, which is sistered with the biggest manufacturer in the industry, which is Altidus. But I'm not, uh, don't, don't take me as Nick from JR, take me as just like Nick the cigar smoker, you as well, um, how this looks for the industry. Um, could you kind of compare it to, um, I should have thought about it before I open my mouth, but like, uh, like Disney just acquiring franchises and this and that, like that's your fear yeah, essentially of yeah. STG, gra you know. The, the thing with that is, especially in terms of like movies though, is there's not, I feel like there's, there's not a lot of middle tiered things. There's like your big production houses. There's like Warner Brothers, Disney, Paramount. Yeah. I think that's really it. Are there any, like MGM, they're all like part of somebody else now. What's that again? Universal. Universal owned by Comcast. Warner Brothers is owned by Disney. Disney is just Disney. All right. And then you have so like your, I guess, I, then you have like your, in, I guess there's a middle tier in like Bloomhouse or A24, yeah. but I, there, and then you have like your really small, like just total indie production yeah. companies. Um, but yeah, similar. And I thought we were kind of getting away from this as a society because this was big. Obviously, it was big the turn of the century in the 1900s when companies would do this. But then it got really big 60s, 70s, 80s when a lot of the mom and, you know, the mom and pop butcher, the mom and pop convenience store, or the blockbuster video. Or, no, I, yeah, you know, th those kind of like smaller blockbuster was obviously a conglomerate, but let's just say the video store in general were all kind of pushed out by like these big giant you know behemoths that's like oh we're gonna offer you they either buy them out or they just kind of push them out by in terms of sales they put a a walmart with a supermarket in the town you don't need to go to frank the butchers anymore and pay x amount for your ground beef you can get it cheaper at not here i feel like in terms of shopping that's kind of switched the exception of amazon which people do a lot of shopping but i feel like in terms of like i feel like people now prefer or at least wealthier people prefer going now to like a mom and pop butcher shop or like a flower shop yeah, or more specific thing. Like, Oh yeah. I got all my cold cuts from like this, like uncle Giuseppe, like a specialty shop. Yeah, yeah. So I do. And that's good. I like that. Or like, you know, Oh, I didn't buy these leather shoes from Amazon. I went to like a leather worker mm -hmm. and he specifically hand stitched these shoes. So I feel like that is true. You know, there's dude, there's olive oil and vinegar stores. Now there's yeah. like one of Montclair that just sells olive oil, and I like, but I like that because you're going to get a better quality Truffle product. Oil stores. You're creating yeah. employment for like entrepreneurs, and you're going to get better quality product than like just the Costco brand olive oil. Now, how does this play into the cigar industry? Well, this ain't going to be the last acquisition by STG. I mean, this was a big move by them, and a lot of money spent. There's definitely brands much much cheaper that they could do this with also so now, um now, they, also, they also you know you they, think you think the deal alec bradley they the deal that stg worked out with alec bradley was on the higher end in the cigar industry for a manufacturer yeah okay because um, i'm kind of looking at as a whole you know with other budgets of you know artists get actors sports I mean, didn't Bob Dylan get a hundred million for all of his songs? And that's yeah, Bob Dylan. Yeah. And that's 50 <laughs> yeah. years of songs. Yeah. They got 72 
for the rights to their cigars, and they all still kept their jobs. Yeah. I mean, theoretically. So, um, according to Half Wheel, again, this is all public information, but according to Half Wheel, I think in 2021, Alec Bradley uh, did like 25 million. Okay. So, if that continues or grows, they're looking at like kind of a between, you know, after they get their piece and probably like four years to kind of like make their money back. Yeah. And well, you know, four years. Yeah, you know, three, four years. Three, four yeah. years. And also with their added resources, they could add new brands, mm-hmm. you know, new tobaccos to maybe make that window even shorter. So it was, it was a good, it was a very good investment by them. I think it was a smart, it was a smart move by them and yeah. a smart move by Alec Bradley. So how is also, uh, I just have a bunch of questions, sorry. Mm-hmm. Alec, because I know like when I visited Crown Heads, there's, if I'm not mistaken, four or five members on that team, right? If I'm not so mistaken. So you have uh, John. So he has a creative guy, but I don't know if the creative guy works for him or he's a freelancer. Oh, okay. like The guy who does all our creative. You got John Miguel Wes. Um, I want to say the actual uh, Mike Condor, yeah. obviously. I want to say the the Crown Heads team, like people who are official Crown Heads employees. Ten. Maybe is it the same there? with Alec Bradley, or is it was it just? They hit? probably had a little bit more. They probably no. They had thirty. They had, wow. a, they had a team of thirty. So now they're, is, a, they're is, a much bigger is that player. acquisition from STG? Like, are all thirty now going I over? I don't. Or is that all up in the air? That's as well? what's up in the air. Okay. So they they are going to be moving this. Um. So you know how General kind of split their sales team into General Cigars, which is kind of their bigger legacy brands: Cohiba, Macanudo, I believe, maybe. Punch or Hoyo, one of those. Um, and then they have the Forge cigars, which is kind of like their more boutique offerings. Yeah. Diesel, yep. um, Chillin' Moose, uh, those kind of things. Uh, room 101. Favorite. Yeah, Room 101, <laughs> which I believe is being sold under the Forge banner. Alec Bradley is being sold like through the Forged team, which I'm also really pissed at because that was a great name for a cigar too. I would have, I would have forged. I, forged yeah. was actually like a because well, you love forged and fire. Yeah, it would have yeah. been a great name and a great concept. And they had to go steal it for a basically a holding company. It's not even like a real company. It's a hold. It's like a this is a sales company. Um, but from what I've read, I mean, it says it's going to be sold through like their forged sales team. So I don't know, but they didn't specify whether like these. I, I don't know because like they can have they can bring on the Alec Bradley sales guys and be like oh you also have to sell these other ones yeah. or they get rid of the Alec Bradley sales guys and they just add Alec Bradley to the lists that the current guys have of things that they sell um, what I don't think is going to happen is they're going to keep the Alec Bradley guys and be like oh yeah you only need to sell Alec Bradley that's inefficient you know it, it, just, it just really is yeah. so um, I imagine that they that gets trimmed down a little bit what do you think happens now, like with any cigars in production for Alec Bradley? What, it what stays, stays the same. Just stays in production. They just released the uh, a new size of something. Was it the Gatekeeper? Uh, they did, they did the, like that diamond size or something. The Philly Hooligan just came out. Yeah. Um, no, they're like the production is going to stay the same because, like I said, they don't even they contract after the factory that they that they utilize. Racist Cubanos. They might own like a, a partnership percentage. I'm not sure. I have no idea. But from what I know, that they don't own their the factory in Honduras, they just kind of use uh, utilize it. Um, so I don't know. I, I would imagine the sales force gets trimmed a little bit, but I'm sure that they're taking care of all those guys. Um, just that didn't happen, you know. It's it's, it's just business. Uh, but in terms of, I I can't imagine they're going to do any major changes within like the first two years. Now, I'll be a real butthole if during the trade show this year they announce some like crazy change to it. And I'm like, well, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Alex not coming to the trade show. It's Bra- Bradley will be there. Bradley will be there? Yeah, Bradley will be there. Mustache and all. Um, Bradley was at TPE when they announced this. Yeah, yeah. When they announced it. That was last um, week, yep. But, dude, General owns a small, a small percentage of Placencia as well. And if you follow the Room 101 model of smaller company, worked with them on a project, and then got an offer and got bought out, I mean, Eric Espinosa did works with General on stuff. Um, and that could be, and he's, I don't know, I don't know what his deal, I mean, he had great success this year with the Knuckle Sandwich, 
the Las Provincias, I think is how it's pronounced too, the past couple of years. Um, obviously, the, uh, the Larange, one of my favorites. But he's changed. Like he, he makes a lot of his stuff out of AJ's other factory now. Uh, I think he might get distributed by AJ. And then he did the one cigar with General. So there's a lot of, you know, it's not easy, man. It's really not easy to to get a brand off the ground, production, uh, packaging, a warehouse to store it, distribution, a sales team. It's it's really complicated and it takes a lot, which is why a lot of these companies, you know, kind of latch on to somebody, especially at first. Be like, oh, we're going to use you. You know, could you distribute this for us for a couple of years? Uh, Illusione did that for a while. Um, Luciano did that for a while. Don't know what he's up to now. Apparently, he's got this brilliant new factory. You know, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's a it's a tough life out there. And so when somebody offers you like a lifeline of like, you know, we'll take care of your brand. You come work for us and still do what you're doing. But now you kind of have this safety net. Um, like, why why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Yeah, and it also kind of seemed like, I don't know, was was like, I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't see, Ale, you know, the brand itself being like, oh, my God, we need someone's help. Like, someone come save us. Yeah, I, I think I, it was just, you and I were kind of, when, when it was released, I'm not going to go into great detail. You and I were talking about how essentially like Alan Rubin, we, I asked you, like, what do you think was going through his mind? And you said, you know, he's put in his dues for what? 30 years. 30 years. Never forget, he was like, he wasn't in his 20s when he started this. He was already a working man who had like had another yeah. family business that he like had to work. You know, the dude works like a dog. Yeah. So I get it. Dude, these cigar manufacturers, especially like at that level, you know, they're they're working. They're traveling all the time. You know, it's 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 a lot. And yeah, it's essentially he's got what grandkids you said. now. Yeah. You know the uh, you know Alex married. He's got a kid. You know, the, let's spend a little family time. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was probably at the point where he was like, you know, I'm maybe he. I, I'm assuming he was like, I've given all that I could to this industry, like all my hundred percent, right? Yeah. You hope that he would still have at least one foot in the door with certain things of like, or, you know, initially like, like, you know, as they met, he was like, this is what I would love to have in the contract to stay and this and that, you know, but essentially it's, I think it's, if he wants to retire, um, this is a, this is a better, this is obviously a great chance to retire. Yeah. Um, and maybe he could just kind of sit back and enjoy the industry as a fan now, or just a, you know, something yeah. like that. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. What I'm uh, interested in. And I, 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 even if I, you know, when I speak to Alec, um, and get some more specifics, I would never share that cause that's yeah. in confidence. But what I found strange about the whole thing is I figured that he, if he wanted to retire, I mean, maybe he was just looking to like, he really wants to ensure his family's future. So he's like, gut, listen, I can have you boys take over this company, but like, you know, the industry's changing. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? This is to ensure that so you I'd guys will yeah, be so like I got, We have a, a big nest egg now. Yeah. And so that work for them, too, go yeah. start your own thing. Um, I, I did expect that he would pass this off to the boys. I mean, they've been doing this now for a couple couple years. It's yeah. not like they started a week ago. I mean... I mean, I want to say Alex's been doing it for eight years. Like they're in that, like this is this this is their thing. This yeah. is their like this is their this is their career. A, do you think it was a decision made by all three of them? Or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm sure he like talked to them about it. Yeah. Um, and if they were like, Oh, I thought we were gonna do it, you know, he might have been like, Listen, we're gonna bag this money. And then even if they have a non-compete for a year, it's like, then take this money, go out and build your own brand. And, and you'll still have more, you'll still have a nest egg to yeah. work from. Um, because again, people will follow them. And because that factory that they use is not now owned by STG, if they wanted to just quit and like wait a year for their non-compete to run out, 
they could spend that year building up a brand. That's what Steve Saka did when he left Drew Estate. That's what Nick Melillo did when he left Drew Estate, as I'm sure they all had non-competes. I definitely know Steve did. I don't, I don't know if Nick did or not. I'm sure he, he probably did, but I know Steve did. And he spent that year like building a brand, getting the creative right, finding the tobaccos, which he probably ordered on spec or you know through loans and stuff, and set everything up so that when that when that ended, within like a week, you announce like, oh, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, and here's our first cigar, we're ready to go. So they could easily do that if they wanted to. I don't know what they want to do. I don't know if they want to stay. It looks like they're staying according to the press release. It looks like they're they're offered them positions. Um, but maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they're just like, no, like, you know, we, we trust you to take care of our, our namesake, but we want to kind of go out and do our own thing, um, which is what they were starting to do with Alec and Bradley. Uh, so that's that's kind of the confusion for me is like they were kind of starting to build their own thing. I thought maybe that General didn't buy that and then the boys would but it would it end up being like they had to buy that yeah because what are they going to do oh no we still own alec and bradley so we're gonna go ahead and sell that and we're going to compete with our other also namesake yeah no that's thing um that's so the end yeah, so i i guess i, I figured i'll it be very be i'll be very interested to see what the boys do we should interview. We should get them on. A, we should get them on a, yeah. on a call here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I would just be very interested to see like what they're you know because they I think they you know the possibilities for them are are endless. Honestly, I think if if they want to stay on and they and if they're going to be you know utilized properly, I think it will be great for them. Will be a great experience for them. Poss- you know, um, they're going to be within the same company with Matt Booth. You know. What I got from that Instagram post too is like, because Matt Booth mentioned Alan's family, so like, and I think in, close. in, in interviews yeah. past, like Matt, how Matt Booth talked about the boys was kind of like he was very proud of them, yeah, you know. Bigger, so I think he's to have for, a, for years, yeah. yeah, to have another cigar father type figure in the, within the same company could help them out. But if they do decide to venture off. It'd be interesting to see if another company swipes them up, if if they do their own thing. It would just be very interesting, you know, because they're they're also. I don't. I've never met them. I've only met them like via Zoom. Are they our age? Are they in the mid thirties? Yeah, I wanna, um, no, not mid. I want to say Alec is probably. Um, Alec is probably thirty. Bradley's probably like twenty seven. Okay. Oh yeah, maybe, so, maybe twenty nine or twenty six, somewhere in to there. To me, that's like you're like a baby, you know, like in the industry. I feel like yeah, but um, no regard, they also grew up in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. So they, I don't. I mean, I don't. But you see yeah. the people who usually grow up like, um, you know, they're a little bit older. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. I don't want to name any names, well, but because their fathers have well, were, been around a, since they, they, the you know seventies, sixties. They're you know. like the first modern modern like cigar family dynasty yeah. whereas everyone else came from this long lineage of like my great grandfather mm-hmm. was a grower in cuba and then he came over here and then he was making them out of a little hut they didn't have the family legacy like that they came up through it like as a business in like modern times what's the gentleman from that hanky hanky kellner hanky kellner yeah like he's That's, obviously davidoff's yeah. more like yeah and he's also not like Dav, like he's not from like the Davidoff family. family. His when, father just worked for Davidoff, right? He, so he, I don't know if his dad. So when 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 Davidoff, so Davidoff was a store first. It was like the premium boot, mm-hmm. not boutique, but like the premium cigar shop in Switzerland. And Zeno Davidoff, yeah. who was its founder and owner, was like a, a very well known um, industry figure he wrote like the cigar etiquette book like the first oh, okay. cigar etiquette book uh, this is you know 100 years ago something like that and then um they became very well known as like a distributor of cigars in europe 1910s 1920s like mm-hmm. going going back that far and then in the 70s i believe is when they partnered with cuba to release their own line they had like the the chateau and the the you know champagne bottle names or whatever and after a few years, Zeno was just very disappointed with the quality he was getting. I mean, this is post-revolution, so the quality of the Cubans had gone yeah. down. Uh, the Cuban cigars, not the Cuban people. They're they're great. <laughs> um, the quality had gone down. <laughs> he took, episode. Yeah. Brought back a bunch of Cubans. He took a hundred thousand Cuban Davidoffs and he like burned them in a bonfire and he severed his relationship with them. And then this is late 80s, I guess. 
moved production over to the DR, which is where he met up with um, Hanky. I don't know if Hanky comes from like a long lineage. I'm not, I'm not sure of his entire story, but he's been with them since back then. Um, and he's most, from what I understand, because there was some confusion, everyone I think thought he was like the master blender. He was the, he's more in charge of like the facilities and the farms and the growing. And then Eladio Diaz was the master blender. He just left uh, a year or so ago and is working for Freud Cigars, I believe now, or doing something like that. But yeah, a little bit different, a different thing, but uh, equally confusing story. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they they are like these, they're these modern, the only other person I can think of that kind of had like a similar workup is maybe um, Lito Gomez's son, Tony. But I don't know what Lito's connect, like how far back Lito goes in the industry. Uh, but Al, like like Alan was the was the start of of the legacy here for the family and then yeah. the boys, they didn't take it over as like a family business in terms of like oh you know like my great grandfather had to, to develop these leaves and we've been doing the they took it over like a family business like my dad started a company and then we work for him now they've definitely made their own path and I think they're both equally capable of doing their own thing they're what I would consider industry experts at this point. Um, people who are on the same level of a Michael Herklotz. If they wanted to go somewhere else, they can kind of write their own ticket if they wanted to. But I don't know what they want to do. I don't know. I don't know if they're okay just we're kind of working for general. I mean, I, I would be the first in line to buy whatever new thing that they wanted. I did tell uh, Alec, I'm like, listen, man, if you need a job after all this is done, you come work for us. We'll put you to work. Um, you could be, you could be our, our third cameraman. Uh, uh, but as a consultant, he can do like they, if they wanted to do something else, they, they definitely could. But I imagine this was all worked out within the family and, uh, it's just strange. I, like I said, it's mixed feelings. I, I'm sure that they were getting some hate from people who, you know, you're sell out, you're doing the thing. Cause I can tell you even 10 years ago, right. When Drew estate sold to Swisher, uh, John was getting John, Jonathan Drew was getting some hate from people calling it you're a sellout you're doing the going to corporations it's like how would you how would you take being called a sellout like in that situation i it would be muffled out by the sounds of me flipping my money <laughs> yeah right? yeah because guess what <laughs> you with my guys in the industry that i'm really close with john nick mike dave lafferty yeah. the ruben brothers matt booth I'm a ride or die guy for you, not just for your brand, for you. Mm -hmm. So if you're happy, if they're going to like, Hey Lou, we're retiring at 30. We're taking our money. We're going to go live on a beach in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm like, you fucking earned you do, all yeah. of that, man. Yep. And, I'm, and I'm so happy for you. God bless these people. They, you know, you, you think that they're your friends, you know, you think that they're, they like, like you, but it's like, no, they're attracted to the brand and whatever status or money that brings them. It's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're selling. Uh, oh how could you do this you know people were big fans of jonathan drew because he had like this kind of graphic you know art style yeah and then he like oh you're a sellout so is jay-z is he any less of an artist is he mm -hmm. any less less influential or important to the history of what we did here he's the bougiest like richest guy now you know like owns like 19 companies you know, like yeah, he owns like original Basquiat artwork and yeah, like what would you think he was still gonna live in like a trap house? Yeah, like no, yeah, dude, no. they 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 worked. You kind of just this. you see uh, a pattern when you know actors, musicians specifically, and, and athletes too. When they, you know, when they make a lot of money, they're they're not going to be. Uh, we're not going to get that 19, 20 year old Jay Z with the fucked up teeth and, you know, the, <laughs> the, um, living in, in, in the projects in Brooklyn. Like, no, like you, that, their goal was to get out of that. And what kind lifestyle. of fan are you if you want them to still be, what, what kind of fan are you if you still want Eminem to like be living in a trailer park in Detroit? I mean, yeah. Like selling crack yeah. and then just making mixtapes just for, just for and you I to think, listen to. And, and he's still got to live this hellish life. I agree. And I think, um, I think all of us could probably speak on this too, on a very much smaller level, our mindset when we were in our twenties is, should be, and is different than now, yeah. right? You've evolved, you've gotten older. 
Um, you've gotten, yourself, hopefully yeah. you've gotten wiser. I haven't. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's, it's over called, here. it's called, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a growth. Um, and I always hate speaking on people's money situation. Mm. You know, um, this is obviously a little different cause it's public information, yeah, but I don't think, I don't think Alan in there, I would never have spoken. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, we, yeah, it's public information. I don't think we would have, but we're not in the shoes of Alan um, Alec or Bradley. So it's kind of like, you know, for anyone to kind of call them a sellout is a little, um, I think best word, nicest way of saying it was a little hypocrite, hypocritical yeah. because if I had, if I built something from the ground up and had an opportunity to sell it, even at 35, I probably would because like your baby, my, yeah. My my life's different now, you know. Um, if I was a single guy, no kids, I, you know, I was grinding a lot harder with certain things when I was when I didn't have a family. You yeah. know, I just think, that, you know, and Alan was able to do all this while raising two kids who are extremely knowledgeable of the industry. So, like, I think it's it's time people for him to like, kind of be like, all yeah, right, I'm good. People want to like fight the system. Until they like kind of get into the system a little bit, and people in the system are like, "Hey, it's like it's like pretty nice over here yeah. in the system." Yeah. Now you do have guys, you know, uh, from all walks of life who like just never, never did that. Like, uh, who's a good example? Who just like Cat um, uh, Williams is like an example of someone who's like on the verge of like you could be like the next guy and then he's just like, yeah, but I don't want to play by your rules kind yeah. of thing. So you do have that. I'm sure you have, you have it in music. I mean, Dave Chappelle did it. Yeah, but he, he, was such a, he was such a genius that he was able to make his own system. That's, that's what it yeah. is. He was able to walk away from 50 million, come back 15 years later and make about a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's, that's level. a rare, that's rare. Um, yeah. But even like Tarantino, his first movie, I'm sure. I think Reservoir Dogs with all those people in it was maybe the budget was maybe 1.5 million. And mm -hmm. for, for a movie, that budget, it, it, standard indie budgets now are 10 million. You know, that's considered an indie budget, which is yeah. wild. You know, I'm pretty sure Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was well in the three figures of budget, you know? Um, you think so? I would have thought that was like 75. Can you I'm, check that, yeah. Justin? Can you check the, the budget of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I'm just thinking 100 because of the cast. But yeah, yeah but, the, but I think 75 yeah, but, uh, might was, be it. It was only the cast, though. Because like, he, he doesn't have like, a lot of special effects true, or like true. crazy CGI, which is like where, where so much of that money goes. Yeah. No, he shut down all the calls with Boulevard. So what? Oh, you were. We were, it was right in the uh, Price is Right rules. I win. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Price is Right Wait, rules. Wait, I'm closer. But, but you went over. Oh price shit! Is, oh, Price is Right rules. Yeah, the, right, yeah, which yeah. is, by the way, such bullshit. Yeah. If, the, if the price of the thing in the Price is Right was five hundred and five dollars, and you guessed ten bucks, and I guessed five hundred and six dollars, you somehow win. Yeah, that's, that's stupid. Bullshit. Yeah. And Drew Carey, I don't know what you're doing over there with your weight loss. All Cleveland, of a sudden, now, Cleveland doesn't rock, Drew yeah. Carey. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, but no, yeah. So, yeah, it's just. I don't know. Listen, I just I kind of hope yeah. that it, it it works out for them and and Alec and Bradley get whatever they want out of it. I hope it happens for them. That that's all I would say. And for anyone calling Alan Rubin a seller, I think you kind of have to like put yourself in his shoes and be like, what you know? If you if you could pass up that buyout, then man, you you're you're a better person than I am because right. I I just think especially because I think at the end of the day we all want to be rewarded for all the hard work we've done. You know, we work our 40 years of our, our life. If we're retiring at 60 and you really get into the workforce at 20, you're busting your ass for 40 years. You want a good payout. Exactly. And not a lot of people who retire get that. You know, my dad's mm -hmm. retiring and he's, he's like, yeah, I might have to get a second job because X, Y, and Z. And it's like, that's not how you want the world to be. He killed too many Russians. That was his thing. Shh, don't talk. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. And but yeah, so I don't know. I the, just. The, the sellout thing, um, which which is what I loved about Matt Booth kind of poking poking fun at it. Yeah. But listen, like I said before, when, when you're, when you're as connect, I mean, these are artists to us. These are yes. our musicians uh, for this industry. When you connect with them and their and their product, that as much as that product influences you and can like help you through, like just think of it in the same as music. 
and can help you through a time. And so you feel this deep connection to the product and the artist. It's still theirs. They can do with it what they want. And if you are that deeply connected with a manufacturer, you want the best for them because you know that they're not going to leave you out to dry. If they leave and do something else, like the, the legacy will be taken care of. So for you to call them a sellout, again, then you're not a really a ride or die. You don't really care about them. You only cared about what they just provided yeah. for you in that moment. Yeah. And too bad. It's not yours. I, I can't stand like toxic fandom when they take ownership of a thing. It's not yours. Yeah. It's like, if I'm the guy, it's mine. Mm-hmm. I wrote the song. Yep. If I want to sell it to Spotify for $10 million, I'm going to do that. Thank you for your fandom. But like, I'm the one who toiled and thought of this and busted my ass to create this thing. After 30 years, a number one cigar of the year award, how many 90 plus ratings, how many spinoff things, how many events, how many trade shows, how many factory tours, how many flights, how many times in Vegas or Florida. It's enough. Let them reap the benefits of their labor, the fruits of their labor, and let them relax. Oh, well, what if I don't get uh, as many filthy hooligans next year? Sorry. Yeah. They did their time. (laughs) Let them do what they want to do. If they want to go and join the olive oil business, let Let them them do do it. it. So that's my thing. An appreciation for the Rubin family. Salute to them. I hope they get to enjoy every goddamn dime of it. If they want to take us out for like a little celebration dinner, I'm not (laughs) going to say no to that. I'm not going to say no to that if they ever get their uh, get their butts up here. Um, this would be, uh, dude, if we can get all three of them in studio very soon, that'd be a, tre- oh man, that'd I'm going to call them, like, dude, take some of that new money and just fly the three of you guys up here. We'll get, more, we'll buy new microphones. We'll buy more microphones. We'll get more chairs and we'll do the big family interview and it'll, and just like, tell us everything. Tell us how you're feeling. Like really like a pot. I like, don't, don't do like this is a CBS and oh, it's yeah. a good opportunity. Like we want to know, but God bless them. Here's to Alec Bradley and the Rubin family. All the happiness to you. Love you guys. Yep. Um, and excited for it's excited for what this brings to their future, the future of the brand, and the future of the industry. So we'll see. But all the love. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. And as always, Chris, keep them lit. Don't ever say that again.